see you. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Rajesh. Good to see you again. It's been a while since we went camping and hiking and what else did we do together in, in Napa? Wow. You know, it, it's hard to imagine that that was as the summer was kicking off, but it's 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 great to be back with you for season two and with all our, our listeners out there. And uh, I hope you had a terrific summer and I'm really excited. I'm really excited we're doing this season two. It's going to be great. Me too. I've got a story about something that happened to me during the summer that I thought could kick off season two if you're open to listening to it. All right. So I found this strange and surprising and delightful, but also felt like the universe was trying to tell me something. It started with a simple walk through my neighborhood. I live in Bedford, New York. If you don't know it, it's bucolic. It's lots of trees and wooded areas, but it's not a forest. People live there, they have houses. The roads are quiet enough that I just go for walks down the road and there's not so much traffic. So I've lived in this house 10 years. I take this walk really regularly. And I have noticed over the years, there's a sign as I get about a half mile from the house, often to a little wooded area that describes itself as being a path and has some rules about the path. Don't have unleashed dogs on your path and be respectful of neighbors on the path. I walked past it for 10 years, hundreds of times. And I always thought I should check what this path is all about, but never did in part because it seemed to me quite clear that whatever the path was, it was gonna go for a few hundred yards and then it was to be someone's backyard because as wooded as it is it's still a neighborhood and how exciting was it to go down this wooded trail to end up in someone's pool so for some reason inspired two weeks ago just said today's the day beautiful day i'm going down this path and i start down the path and I'm walking and it's getting more wooded and I'm walking and it's getting denser and I'm walking. And I'm in the forest suddenly. What happened to Bedford? Where's the neighborhood? Where are these houses that I'm supposed to be surrounded by? As I walked in more, there were even suddenly trail maps. And I had the realization looking at the trail map, well, this set of paths is probably 20 miles long, goes in various loops. And the idea that essentially behind my house was an entire universe of hiking paths and trails and loops was just mind-blowing for a moment. Well, how did this happen? And I not know it. And how did this even exist in a, a neighborhood? And then just to put the universal kicker on the whole thing, it turns out towards the end of the path, there's a Zen monastery, <laughs> which it has to be that some higher power is telling me there are things in your life you need to explore. There are paths untaken that you must take. There is wisdom down this wooded path. More generally, I did take it as a metaphor. And I did think, you know, the spirit of our early episodes of connecting things together, it felt like a metaphor for the work we do too, which is what are these hidden paths? What are the things that have been there for a decade? And you just never took the time to say, I wonder what's down this road. I, I, there are so many ways to go from this story. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I can't, 
I can't imagine what that would have been like to turn a corner and say, there's a whole world right here. Yet at the same time, I know exactly what that feels like. I, I, I think what's really interesting for me is there's this idea of the things that perhaps the, the things we, we could take action on that are right there in front of us. And for some reason we haven't explored yet. And then there's also these things like that exist inside of me where perhaps I am not like ready to go down that path. I'm interested in both sides of that. Do you have an example that comes to mind? Well, Maybe one of the things that I could tell you is that I was very fortunate in 22 and early 23 to do some deep work on my own purpose and mission and why I feel like I'm here and what I want to do. And I was able to sum up my, um, my my mission as uh, in a single sentence and that was this idea of my purpose is to be conscious and present in each stream of my life radiating enthusiasm love and joy and when i think about this idea of the path the path not taken the path taken i think that an essential ingredient is for me being conscious and present because sometimes I get these inclinations and I don't act on them. Sometimes I get these inclinations and I may not even be aware of them. Hmm. So the first step of anything is probably to be conscious and aware and present to the moment and the feeling. I like that. You have a deeper, more personal interpretation that probably is what God was trying to tell me with the Zen monastery, but I took it to a very practical workplace, which was, in fact, I'm in the Ogilvy office today. Sorry, I missed you here, but we were doing a work session. And part of the work session was looking at, at all the demand marketing's creating. And anyone who is in marketing or sales knows this dynamic. So marketing says we're creating all this demand and sales says, no, no, that you, that's not useful demand. I can't convert that, not quality. And sales, so no, it is, marketing will say, it is quality sales, you're not capable, we're gonna show you how to skill up and endless, endless for all eternity, sales and marketing. But for myself, I've been a little bit of that within IBM. We've even talked before about low conversion rate of our trials. And I've said to the team for a while, we've gotta get everything we can out of the trial experience, but, it's probably fundamentally true that the trials are very convertible today. We're going to have to go back to the product team and we're going to have to rework the products and the trials and so on and so forth. And then I said to myself, or maybe someone challenged me on it. And I did start to think, why do I believe that? What's the basis for saying it's not a marketing problem or a sales problem, it's a product problem? And because I said in the analytics side of the business, my instinct was to go analyze it. The more we've analyzed it, the more we realized these trials are 
convertible. And the more we analyzed who could convert them, it turns out there's certain salespeople who can consistently convert these. And then there's lots of people who can't. And then the more we analyzed, well, what's special about these salespeople? It turns out they may be very good salespeople. There's other things remarkable. The answer was incredibly simple that they were working harder on them. They sent four times as many emails and social connections and they used the telephone uh, a few hundred percent more and they just worked them. And it felt very metaphorical like this path, which is I never bothered to answer the question. As soon as I answered the question, the path opened up in front of me. And the answer actually ended up being so simple. When I was presenting to the team today, I said, I wish I had this great data science insight for you because it would make me look like I'm a genius. I reveal something that no one had ever thought of before. But the answer is, yeah, if you work them, they convert. Yeah. And then the question for me is, why don't people work them? Why do they work them differently? And one of the things that I've come across, you know, I'm a big believer in the end-to-end customer experience. How do you become aware of a brand? How do you start to explore a brand? How do you go through a consideration experience with a brand? And when I say brand, I mean a set of products or services from a business. And then how do you actually become a customer? And then once you're a customer, how do you actually go deeper in the ecosystem of products and services and become a super engaged customer and a loyal customer and an advocate for the brand? And as I think about that whole journey, which is not linear and often ping pongs between a lot of different things. I know that that journey has digital touch points. It has content, but it also has physical experiences with people, not just technology. And I think sometimes with complexity and complex ecosystems, that interaction with a salesperson who is essentially a business consultant helping to understand the the inherent challenges you face and how that products and services might be assembled together to help you i think that that is one of the most valuable pieces during that consideration period of time and um and I and I'm always reminded of this book when I talk about it by Simon Sinek, this idea of start with why. Mm-hmm. Because my hypothesis is that the difference between good and great is not better education or like more knowledge about the products. I think it's that great people believe something deeply that allows them to show up with excitement to solve a problem and bring to bear the technology, the services, the products to help uh, a customer or a client to be successful in whatever they're trying to drive. And, and we, as, as business leaders, have to help our, our consultants, our salespeople, our workforce, our marketers to really understand the deeper why behind what we do. I'm a fan of that book and the talks I've heard him give on starting with why. And it's interesting that you're raising it. If you'd raised it yesterday, I would have probably behaved differently today in our workshop. 
because so many of the ideas that were coming up were mechanical. And right, by the way, in Salesforce, how do you make the experience easier for the seller? In our quarterly training, how do you make it more compelling for sellers? In our incentive system, how do you incent our sellers? But no one raised, myself included, the idea of how do you make it wildly exciting? How do you make it something people believe in? How do you make it something there? Could it be fun? And just not exploring those motivational ideas at the core. It reminds me beyond the book you're referencing. I once read a biography of George Washington and the author of it stuck with me all these years later saying that one of the reasons he was a powerful communicator because he was not as articulate as the Thomas Jeffersons of his era. And he wasn't as comfortable speaking. He tended to whisper, he said, he would speak quietly. They said he was a powerful leader because he had this fundamental insight that people had to feel something before they could see it. And he was very effective at connecting with people at a deeper level of feeling it. And then when the words and the communication came on top of that, it was a relatively easier sale because he'd reached them in this deeper, more spiritual, more personal sense. I had never connected that until this moment to a practical application for what would it take to have our salespeople, before we even get to customers, feel really connected to why this system matters to them and why this demand is something to wake up in the morning and jump out of bed because good things are going to happen today. Yeah, and and for all those that are not familiar with the 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 idea of start with why it is really about um how to find and help people have inspiration around the work that they do and the fact is that people don't really buy what you do they they buy why you do it and knowing the why you do it is essential for 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 success and not being lumped in with the status quo, uh, and and probably the the no one is better than Apple at it. I mean, in terms of like the brand and 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 what it stands for, and the fact that you know at the end of the day, it's just a lot of wires and chips and Gorilla Glass. Uh, so so yeah, no, I'm 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 sure there are other things too, right? Like I'm sure that. There is an element of education and I'm sure there's an element of process and I'm sure there's an element of like relationship development. But I but I really think that often when you look at the stats, it's like, okay, the stats are higher, right? Uh, effective, the most effective salespeople are, are, are doing more outreach and more engagement. The question I ask myself is why? The comp plan is there right? It's similar. We all have similar needs. And and so my hypothesis here is that on the inspiration level, on the helping people connect with their own fundamental belief system, there's maybe something to examine. I like it. I haven't seen it in practice because at least on the sales side, there's such an inherent belief that sellers are, you'll hear expressions like coin operated or it's in the incentive system. So 
it would be interesting in that universe in particular to start with why. Not the why in our case of IBM, which I think people actually feel connected to. The company does a good job with that. Or not even necessarily the why in the relationship between the seller and the person they're selling to, but start with the actual salesperson or the consultant who has this quota and they have Salesforce. And you might think that's motivational enough and you might think the systems are adequate enough. But if it turns out we haven't spent time actually connecting to the why of their job. Interestingly, how you started with your hidden path was very personal. Maybe we're coming back to that idea. If we could make this personal for people and they woke up with the same inspiration you talked about, that you've made sort of your personal mission statement, what would it take to get a sales organization, a marketing organization to that personal sense of mission? And as marketers, we know how to do that from the standpoint of they are an audience. They are not a homogeneous audience. They are an audience made up of individuals. Ideally, we could do it at a completely personal level, but we likely will need to put it into segments. Of those segments, there's going to be certain segments that are excited and ready to go first and ready to try things. And 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 just like we would um, appeal to 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 our our customers, there's a marketing opportunity here. Uh, which involves, you know, listening and 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 trying things and experimenting. And uh, there was an article I wrote with a with a title, Ari, called "Employees Are Customers Too," hmm. and and it was sort of that idea of what if we started with like the same design principles, the same deep empathy, the same behavioral insights that we do when we think about how we uh, identify and partner with, with, with clients or with customers. If we could try that, which I think this is a perfect use case, especially at the scale of IBM, and we could make marketers empathetic to sellers and sellers empathetic to marketers, we could go on and solve the Middle East crisis after that. It feels like getting to one of the enduring challenges of certainly in B2B, marketing and sales, understanding each other and getting the best out of each other. I, I love it as a challenge. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I definitely would be down one of those paths you're talking about. Uh, one of those paths that you didn't know you could take, but you know, it was something very exciting and very interesting. I think one opened up today here in the Ogilvy office and we just laid out a commitment arm in arm. Let's go. Down Let's that go path. do it. Let's, Let's go, go do it. it. All right, my friend. Well, listen, it's great to see you. Awesome as always. And keep walking. Keep searching for your path. Good to see you, Rajesh. Good to see you.